All right. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Worldcraft Club podcast, the podcast for game masters, novelists, and anyone else who wants to create rich, immersive, wonder-evoking settings that will bring your audiences back time and time again. And I tell you what, y'all are in for a treat today because we have a special guest with us, award-winning writer, editor, cartoonist, dog owner, and designer behind the Deck of Worlds Kickstarter project, Peter Tukowski. How you doing, Peter? I am doing wonderful. Thanks you so much for inviting me on. Oh man, I'm so glad you came. It's been it's been a lot of fun, kind of just like reading up on this project and getting getting a sense of it, and uh, and reading up about yourself as well. It's been uh, it's been it's been cool revealing my creepy uh, background research. <laughs> oh, this will be fun. We'll see we'll see what you've dug up. Oh yeah, so so many things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I guess the reason why we have you here today is 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 given like you know your your kind of background as, as a creative and a lot of the stuff that you've made through history, you've, you've intersected with world building like so frequently. And your most recent Kickstarter project was like a slam dunk. It was like, Oh, this is like, this is a, this is a world building project. Like this is, this is what we do. So when, when I saw the ad pop up across my screen on Facebook, I was like, Oh man, like I gotta, I gotta find this guy. So like, here's, here's the basic start. What do you think world building is and why is it even important? I, th- I think that world building, I mean, it's, it's the skill set that runs parallel to, to storytelling. Yeah. And, and I say storytelling, not just writing, because um, it's relevant to so many different um, mediums. And yeah. it expresses so differently in, in different mediums. Um, and I come from a background in, like, I've done short stories and poetry. I've done RPG writing. I've done comics. Um, and, uh, and I do a lot of short stories that come with a visual uh, where it's, like, text superimposed over an image. So yeah, the, the yeah, visuals yeah, yeah. always like really, really locked in my mind. And I, I spent a lot of time thinking about how sort of the visuals help with creative tools, even if yeah. the visual doesn't end up in the, the final product. So, um, yeah, I definitely think, and this is something that, you know, even before you hit record, we were chatting about yeah. um, world building as this parallel or separate skill set, And I, I like to think of it that way too, because I've seen people who could not, you know, they, they just wouldn't be able to construct a paragraph. It's just not the way they think, but they yeah. could construct a really fascinating world with, yeah. um, interesting premises with with really realistic societies with um dynamic social systems and economic systems and and they could create you know this wonderful place to explore but they would never be able to get it down in a story um and uh likewise you can you can create a really wonderful immersive world uh and just try to write out the lore of it but if it's not expressed as a story it might be harder to hook people in um yeah yeah. so i definitely see see world building and then storytelling as as related concepts and i think very symbiotic concepts or symbiotic skills um because if you have a really interesting immersive world and you have um a hook for it like a a character whose perspective you just want to know more about or whose uh struggle or arc um shows you um a a path in this world that is really really interesting and complemented by it like that's beautiful and the really sweet spot is where i think the character or the perspective or the themes of the story are themes that could really only exist in this world Yes. Are, are um yeah exactly that are that are like tied to yeah yeah the, f- the fundamental values of the world that you're in um and when you get that marriage of things and you you couldn't just sort of transplant the plot and drop it and and you know take it from a, a fantasy world to another space world that's when yeah. you have like a really embedded storyline and I, I love those um yeah. i love you know, for lack of a better word i'm going to call it like a human story but like a yeah. person i guess i need a personal story set um in a world that that feels real is like that that winning combination um yeah and it it is weird that the skills aren't more related in some ways yeah. 
um, you th- you'd think that there'd be a one to one, but it's but it's so different. And um, and I you know I have I have more questions than answers about that myself. You know, I I think that's actually in the in the two years we've been running this podcast, and like it's it's been ages since since we kind of came up with the concept and started just really researching it and talking to people. And uh, your your summary there is is I think dead on to everything that we keep we keep hearing. And and I think more questions than answers means that you're probably exploring it in the right way, as far as I can tell. Like it's just it is it is very confusing to me kind of how how these two skills that again that seems so related crafting a narrative telling a story and also building a, a world for within for that story to dwell within and um it just seems like the two should go hand in hand but they but they don't always you know they don't always come together like um i think a, a really interesting thing are, are you familiar with um I, and i'm probably going to butcher his name so i apologize but simon stalinhag no uh, so uh, you know tales from the loop yes yeah he did all the artwork for that okay beautiful right that's his stuff so gorgeous stuff when we're talking about um the the the, um sort of uh real like artwork element of it and the visual it got me thinking a little bit about about him and 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 the designs that he's done because a lot of the stuff he puts together is very evocative because it combines this sort of very personal element where usually Mm -hmm. you'll see like a kid in the foreground like playing with jacks and then you look in the background and there's this enormous hulking robot that's like covered in weeds. Like, and that will be like his, his miniature story. But what he did is he did all this art and then somebody just like bought it effectively and was like, this is a world. I'm going to make this into something. And so the, the dude effectively sold a world without a story. Which Interesting. is so weird. And then you yeah. think about that there's also a market for worlds, right? Star Wars didn't sell as a story, sold as a world. Harry Potter did too. We now have not just Harry Potter, but the distinct wizarding world, right? Yeah. And it's interesting to me that like world building as a skill set is becoming more distinctive as we have things like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and we have the, you know, the DCEU and things like that. They're trying to build a world that people can find themselves in that is full of stories. And that, that's yeah, you know, that's just super, super interesting to me. And I'm always curious about like how to bottle this skill set and to get it. And like as you were talking about synthesis between narrative and uh and and the and the world that it's placed in, I couldn't help but think about the expanse, which everyone should watch. Um yeah. I keep telling people this. Uh it it is my my beat. It's what I am here for, is basically tell everybody to watch the expanse because of this. It's the the whole world. You cannot tell the stories they're telling in that without the world also intersecting it. Yeah, I I love media where um, they lay out sort of the premises or the mm. rules, um, and yeah. then they show you how much you can spin and how much complexity you can spin out of laying out simple principles. Yeah, um, and I think world this this often inter- intersects with world building because you'll take a uh, you'll take a premise about like okay in this world um, you know gravity operates it at 50 percent of earth gravity or yeah um or uh um for some reason i'm blanking on pulling you know really good world building book examples yeah but you'll take something like that and and you'll spin that into well what are the all the different ways that this variation from our own expectations of of the world that we live in that this would change the way that we build structures that we um uh that that we build transportation yeah the way that fuel is consumed um like all of that suddenly suddenly changes when you change just one um variable i guess in in the the variables that govern the world 
and I love seeing how people can spin out so many differences and so many stories based on that, like on, on those simple premises. Um, and like world building isn't the only way to do that. I also like mm. like um, uh, one of my favorite, like I, I think underappreciated TV things is um, The Lost Room, um, oh, not heard which of. is uh, yeah, it, most most people haven't. It was it never really went anywhere, and it's got a very like very bland main character. But the the premise of it is that there was this one hotel room uh, or motel room that was kind of got something happened that tore it out of reality and all of the objects that were in this hotel room like you know the, the or the motel room like the motel pen and the key and there was an mm. overcoat hanging, hanging yeah. in the um, closet all of these have become these weird artifacts that have properties that um exist outside of reality and do weird magical things and there's all huh. this lore around um what would happen if they were all brought back together and um in particular the, the motel key can open um uh any door to any can, can open any door and it opens to any other door and it can also always access this one room yeah. but um uh it they take the simple premises of what these objects can do and build and build and build on creative uses for them um until you have this really really interesting complex plot with deep deep lore behind it but yeah. it, all, it literally all is it, just it drawn just, from objects in a room it's simple on that single axis yeah right. exactly yeah it's a good way to put it single that's axis. phenomenal yeah, yeah no, it's I, gotta, I gotta check that out like yeah, it's a, a it's a a great bit of I would maybe call that lore building more than world build world building what they do there. Yeah. Um but uh but yeah, really really thoughtfully done. Um and yeah, and I and I and I love seeing that happen and I feel like the expanse has done a lot of again, it, it establishes the rules of the universe and then builds these really really fascinating stories out of the unique um challenges and opportunities created by those rules. Yeah. And 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 it's also it makes it that much more thrilling when they get broken like yeah. it's it, it, it's when you have a um like the big bad is so much cooler when they turn up and they do something that no one should be able to do because in yes. your world building you've established this as like the oh crap button and they can yeah. do it and it's like oh geez yeah. like i still remember harry potter when they find out that voldemort can fly without a broom and they're yeah. like he's flying and they're like he yeah. flies now it's like yeah. oh. this changes everything <laughs> yeah exactly it's like oh yeah. crap you know and it's just like um it, it's ways to demonstrate the otherness of someone yeah. to make a hero that breaks the rules or or, or a villain that does yeah. it and you need to have credibly established those rules to make the breaking of it something that doesn't violate the like reader writer contract or the storyteller listener contract you need to have done such a good job of making them feel like these rules are real so that when they, the surprise isn't just, Oh, you as a writer cheated and you invented something new. It's like, Oh, yeah. 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 No, this, this, this character has, has done something outside of the normal. Um, and you get to actually synchronize with the shock of the people seeing it in world for the first time. And that is such a sweet spot to be. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think that's one of the unique challenges of storytelling in, um, a universe that has a lot of cognitive difference from our own where yeah. the expectations are different is you really need to get people there in order to synchronize them with what the main characters are feeling because otherwise they're always going to be viewing it from across the that, that difference of their experiences of our what i'm going to call the mundane real world um and the fantasy world um and again it's 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 really challenging to keep people um in the same mental state that your yeah. characters are reacting because uh, i mean and, and and you don't always want to do that because you want them to have that moment of wonder where they see your world for the first time and they take it in as an outsider but then you need to onboard them quickly so that they're not (laughs) viewing the story as an outsider and they're not you know alienated from the character who's going to be carrying the narrative yeah Um, which is an interesting an interesting double challenge to do i know for for me i write a lot of micro fiction where there's just not time to explain the premises of the world that much Mm. 
Um, so you either have to do it very quickly, or you just have to um, have have the context of the plot explain just enough of what's going on in the background yeah. that people fill in the gaps themselves. So can, um, can, can you explain yeah. um, quickly what what is microfiction for those who might not know? Yeah. So so uh, I can't remember with the, someone has put together strict definitions for when microfiction becomes <laughs> flash fiction and like yeah. how many words it can be. But essentially, yeah. it's just really, really short fiction. Yeah. Um, like often stories can be stripped down to um, like under 100 words. So uh, very little time, very, yeah. very little time to establish that. Yeah. And then, and then again, it's hard to establish, especially if you're going to break a rule you, and but establish it first. It's hard to do that. But um, what I find works really well with microfiction is um, building on tropes to a certain extent and then mm. disrupting them. Because tropes are something where the person already has the context and they yeah, already have a set yeah. of rules in mind for this is how that would work. So like if you do, if you want to do a story where you, you disrupt the trope of the vampire, that's great because people all have a certain set yeah, they of know fixed what they're expectations. Expecting. Yeah. Yeah. So then it gives you, you, you come in, you, they come to the story with all of that d- data of the world preloaded. They don't yeah. need to load that in through your word count. Um, and then, uh, you have them there and then you can start, um, you know, uh, surprising them with how you're going to, you're going to change that. Trope. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is why so the, you, you'll the dragon know. saves the princess or something like that. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you'll notice that a lot of microfiction is, deals with fairy tales, um, yeah. deals with witches, deals with um, the undead, because th- we have a common set of understandings about how these should operate, and yeah. it makes for a very good playground to make quick disruptions to the, to the rule sets for those things. Um, it does. But, but when you're doing microfiction that you do want to set in a fictional world, where it's important that someone knows something about the world, um, it, it becomes a, a very special challenge, because you kind of have to um, just hit the ground running and, and uh, give the reader just enough clues to keep up. Um, and uh, yeah, and it, it makes for a very interesting challenge. But I also think that there are some, uh, like like N.K. Jemisin, I think, as a, a world builder, is incredible because she doesn't, um, there's no point where she's like, this is how the world works and this these are all the rules and now mm-hmm. you know. She just uh, expects you to figure it out from context, but gives you enough of that context as you go um, to to be able to keep up. And also to to have you become comfortable with your uncertainty and uncomfortable with things you don't know. Or sorry, yeah. comfortable with things you don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because tipping your hand too much at the front can be, can, can, can make things quite, quite boring. So keeping people on their toes and guessing and wondering, I think, but at that right level, um, yeah. is, yeah. is a very special, very fine tuned skill. That, that is, that is extremely good. And I, and, and I want to wind back a little bit as well. There, there was some, there was some commentary you're making about the way, that people begin to inhabit their care the characters right like mm-hmm. um as you write and part of that has to do with your world building and i'd never made that association before but you're very right like sharing in that excitement and or, or fear or terror that the characters are experiencing on seeing um an established rule broken or an expectation defied mm-hmm. that's really interesting and i also think it's what makes a lot of the good visual art that um that we look at it's a lot of the times when i see a a setting what kind of blows me away is when the setting appears to have a point of view or a perspective that gives me some idea about what's going on like uh, in a city if in the foreground i see a man you know um busking on a street corner with a didgeridoo or whatever and he's got like a pet robot dog or something and he's sitting there and he's collecting coins and you see like you know a cyborg walk by and drop a penny in there that to me is interesting and tells me a lot more about the world than just a wicked awesome cityscape though i do Mm -hmm. like a wicked awesome cityscape like don't get me wrong but it's just like there's something personal about it 
and getting your reader or um or, or really whoever's interacting with your your world um we, we've used the term visitant before because it sounds highfalutin and fancy but oh i like, like that um, yeah oh no I, I really love that one um adrian graham's episode if you get a chance it's uh it, that guy was uh phenomenally interesting and much much too humble um he had a lot of really cool insights but his thing was um you know you, you're I, I like this idea that your world building the goal in some ways is to cause your visitant to inhabit your characters by which we would call immersion to some degree but i think this is like a slant on that a little bit you're almost not feeling like you're in the world you're feeling like you're you're you're, you're in with the characters you know like you're yeah. there's a intimacy to that that I think sometimes get missed in uh, in the term immersion. So that's a, that's a fantastically interesting point. Um, I didn't have anywhere to go from there. I was just really excited about that. <laughs> I was just like writing <laughs> about it, so I was going here. But um, this, but so so I, I guess really like a good question is like I, I think you have identified uh, like effectively world building black tar heroin, like the stuff you really <laughs> like you really got <laughs> to to like make a good world. Like, what do you think are some of like the techniques and tools that you might use to actually kind of like get there you know like how what what are some of the most effective means that you've seen i think you talked about tropes i thought that was fascinating i think people are much too afraid of tropes originality i think is a little overrated sometimes it's great to put a twist on those are, are there any other kind of like uh secrets you've uncovered in your years yeah well i mean and there's a few facets to this because yeah. i feel like i feel like um on one level, I think a lot of people have an anxiety around how do I pitch my world to people? How yeah. do I explain it to them quickly and get them interested quickly? Yeah. Because um, there are some worlds that are really fascinating, um, but you just you need to really be there to understand what it is to be there. You can't, you, there's no like postcard you could send someone from this fictional world that would explain everything that it is. They, they really need to be immersed to get it. Yeah. And then there are worlds, worlds that have like a really quick, snappy premise, which, which get you into it quickly. Um, and, um, I feel like uh, it helps to have to understand what the postcard version of your world is. So what you send someone as an invitation to get them in. Um, and that's one set of skills that I would say. And that's where like I think tropes are helpful. In a sense, almost. Yeah, yeah. Your yeah. elevator pitch for the world. Because like Star Wars doesn't have a particularly compelling elevator pitch as a world, <laughs> right? It's just yeah. basically science fantasy. Yeah. What it has is enough variety of um, planets and life forms and myth behind it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 That that there's some that that when you're actually there, um, there's nothing like there's nothing else like it, um, than being exactly there, um, mm, and that mm. is the goal. But I, I wouldn't know how to elevator pitch the Star Wars universe in a way where other than saying, oh, it's Star Wars, you know, um, space wizards and laser swords. Yeah. Yeah. Because like most <laughs> most of what makes it compelling is just the actual material itself and not, yeah, not the summary yeah. of it. Kind of its history um, too. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that tropes are particularly helpful for. Um, if you do want to come up with an interesting hook that shows what's different about your world or that uses its um, its distinguishing features as a point of entry for pitching it to people, I think tropes are a good entry point for that because you can say, here is something that you already love, that there is a version of it, and also here's how it's different, and here's why it's going to give you something novel. Yeah. Because um, I do think that, yeah, I think that the way we assess originality um, is a little bit broken. Because I think you can have a world where if you explained it in an elevator pitch, it would be pretty conventional, but when you get there, you realize that it actually feels quite different. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 and uh, and things that suffer from summary, I think, deserve a fair kick at the can for um, becoming these big beloved shared experiences. Um, mm. And um, and this is a whole separate tangent that I won't I won't go into, but I think that um, the way that we experience media is requiring things to pitch 
quickly to get noticed more and more and more. Like it's always been true that a good pitch is helpful, but more and more and more um, people have a very limited time to decide what they're going to dedicate their media time to. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, and so you really, really need to have a good quick pitch. And I worry about um, the worlds that get lost as a result um, or in the stories that get lost as a result of not pitching uh, or, oh. or having merits that you just can't explain through a pitch. Um, yeah. But um, I'm trying to remember what the, the original question was. Oh, yeah. So the, sort of the secret sauces yeah, and yeah, tips, yeah, yeah, no. tips and tricks. Mm. So um, I think if you can come up with an interesting postcard invitation for your world, like here's, here's a reason why you'd want to visit. Um, coming up with a few of those is always a good idea. Um, and making sure that those summarize well. But when it comes to actually world building, I think the hard part is that, um, I mean, when you're telling a story, it's already hard to decide what kind of story you want to tell. Because there are so many ways you can handle the character, there's so many ways to handle the perspective, there's so many types of stories to tell. But imagine that same problem, but magnified and across an entire world of potential stories and yeah, all of yeah. the characters that you could inhabit that world. You have the same problem amplified because yeah. um, you're not just talking about one person, you're talking about a, a rich cultural tapestry of people from different backgrounds. Any, anything yeah, you move has an impact on everything else to some degree. Yeah, so I think that... Um, and, and the reason that I, I created the deck of worlds is mm. I wanted to have a tool that would help world builders um, temporarily decide I'm not going to worry about putting everything in at once. I'm not yeah. going to worry about hitting every single aspect of the world and deciding what they use for currency and um, whether or not they have glass in their windows yeah, and yeah. how they decorate the threshold and what a funeral looks like. Like that's too many questions to answer at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. wanted to have a, I wanted to have a tool that lets people of shine um a spotlight on particular aspects of the world that if they can just if they can get a few concrete things into place to start and if and if they can get those things in place without worrying too much about what they're going to they're going to use that as a foundation to build mm -hmm. um then it gives them it, it really gets their foot in the door for creating something that's going to feel distinct yeah it's going to have a few moments that are highly fleshed out and a few details that are highly fleshed out yeah. but still give them a lot of room to fill in the rest as they figure it out that's what i liked about it that's what i really liked is that it seemed it seemed like a small flexible kind of push on something like it gives you it gives you some initial kind of like little bits to kind of to kind of uh build upon and it gave you that flexibility i i i would almost call it like a um it, it's effectively a modular writing prompt with yeah. a randomizer you know yeah yeah and i think that the secret sauce is the balance between um enough randomization that it doesn't feel like you're just picking everything yourself yeah like it is doing something it's it's restricting your options so that you're not you're not like um you're, you're not trying to consider all worlds of possibility all at the same time because no no one's brain can do that as far as i know do, yeah do, do you think that's maybe part of the problem in some ways with with modern conceptions of world building is that is that sometimes we have the um we have such a selection of media in front of us so many different things that we feel we can choose from there's a pressure to be original and so you start yanking ideas from the air rather than kind of focusing in on a couple of smaller elements and uh and trying to build upon them like there's there's that pressure to just kind of go like here's a zany concept rather than um starting with something small and straightforward that has some good story potential i i definitely think it's i think that does happen and i think there's i think that the anxiety of influence around other creators and just the volume of creations out like there anxiety of choice in some yeah. ways i suppose yeah, yeah, and I, th and I think it's a bit of both because there's, there's, um, we are definitely trying to differentiate ourselves from other worlds, and there are so many more worlds now out there to worry about being too influenced yeah. by, and yeah, and then there are so many different ways to build a world and and 
that combination of things that you're trying not to be and a number of things <laughs> that you could be, it's hard. Yes. It's really hard to, yeah. to create a positive um, statement around here's what I am without worrying about negatively defining it against what you're not. Um, yeah. And also to feel good about the choice. And I think that um, the, uh, yeah, the, the, the fact that you build your own prompt, the fact that it is to a certain extent modular, but that you have a limited menu to work from when you draw your prompt really helps with that because it lets you make quick decisions about here is what I want to be for the purposes of this exercise. Yeah. And those, quest- those decisions aren't binding. If you ever want to change the decision you've made, you rotate a card and now you have a different prompt you're working from. So yeah. that it's feeling like you system. can always back out is helpful. Yeah, yeah. And it is yeah. so simple. That's the thing. It, I really wanted to keep it simple. And I, I think that's something I actually like a lot. Like, I, I think one of the things you touched on early on, and I think this is important, is that um, often just taking a small, simple concept like your the, the, the hotel room, the lost room, um, you take a simple idea like that, and usually when you expand upon it, come up with a lot of very interesting results. Like a, um, an interesting example of this would be like the Foundation series, Isaac uh, Asimov. Mm-hmm. Um, where he effectively just says, what if somebody invented a branch of science that enabled them to, you know, examine cultural movements, uh, of large groups of people and make reliable estimates about the future, reliable predictions. And then he kind of throws some stuff in there that gums up the works and some ideas about how societies are created and grow and develop and like where things like religion and trade and all kinds of stuff fit. It's, it's an interesting book, but it's mostly an exploration, not really of, um, of, of science fiction so much as like, it's almost like sociological fiction. <laughs> you know, it's like he's experimenting with these ideas, but that's a simple concept, a yeah. really simple idea that he expanded on. And it seems like the deck of the world, a deck of worlds provides like that sort of foundational, Here's a couple of small, simple ideas with a limited scope. I think a lot of times world builders, and, and I think uh, you've kind of touched on this as well, sort of they, they have such an expansive scope that they, they maybe get lost. And this kind of provides a couple of sharp points to focus on yeah. with some limited details just to get started. It's kind of like a, kind of like a gateway drug. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely think it is a good a good gateway drug for world building. And the way that I've been, uh, it was funny because I I was trying to I've spent a year trying to figure out how to explain what the deck does. Um, I've been, been working on it for a while, and I only started yeah. telling people about it recently. Mm. Um, and it was literally while I was filming the Kickstarter video that I found the expression that I was looking for for what yeah. it does because it doesn't yeah, build yeah. the world for you. Like I do think that procedural generation is very cool, but it's not not what I'm interested in creating as a creator. Yeah. Um, I wanted to look at at um creatively informed generation um that is that is creator led but it doesn't feel like they're doing the work i want them to be doing the work without without feeling the burden yeah um but uh what i the the expression that i found like literally while filming it and i ended up like scratching out my script and doing it again i'm like ah this is this is what i was looking for was that it the deck shifts the starting line for the creative process um it's it's meant to get you past that point where you're wondering like what do i create or is this good enough or why am I bothering with this? It's meant to yeah. jump you past that to the point where you're just having fun with the process of it. And the thing that I've heard from people who've been using the story engine, which is my, my storytelling uh, mm. prompt series that came out um, last year, uh, like authors who, who, you know, write books and, and New York times bestsellers uh, have used this tool and said this, that it actually just, it gave them a chance to write and have fun. And they yeah. were not worried about turning that writing into something consumable like they were just having fun with the creative process yeah um yeah. and it's because it's not quite a game but it's definitely fun and it yeah. i think it lets you create um without worrying 
uh, without without second guessing all the choices because you know what this thing has to become or what you want to grow it into. It just lets you explore the process itself. Yeah, no um, strings attached. It's it's yeah. it's um it's almost like a what what's that term where you just write basically close your eyes and just like yeah like free writing and, yeah, yeah free free, free association. yeah 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 it's like it's like it's like um <laughs> gently guided free association for the creative mind you know like it's there's there's a little bit it's almost what a good um it's almost what a good game master should do in a role playing game is effectively just sort of gently <laughs> sort of influence where the story's going and kind of really let the players create but yeah. you're kind of in the background, um, slowly kind of shifting things here and there and moving around elements of the world to sort of fit it. There's there's a sense in which there's sort of a, a curated, guided sort of creative process that's taking place there. Kind of yeah. reminds me a little bit of that or some some overlap in skill sets. And, and I think the question of, of um, this is something that I spend a lot of time thinking about on the storytelling side and that I'd be really curious to, to talk about and think about this from the world building side because I haven't yeah. really thought about it until literally write this deck so <laughs> i i love people who write and have never shown anyone they're writing and it's not because they're embarrassed of it and it's not be, it's just because they write for themselves and they write yeah. the way that someone does yoga and they write the way that somebody takes an hour in the afternoon to brew tea it's mm. just a contemplative self-fulfilling self-affirming activity that rewards them through the act of it yeah. um i love that partly because well, that is missing in me. I wish I knew how to write without trying to always worry about making it something consumable for other people. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, playing with a deck of worlds and just making prompts for myself is the, the literally the closest I've gotten to just purely fun. I writing do not for care. pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Writing writing purely for pleasure. Yeah. And and not worrying about whether or not um I'll be able to explain it to someone else or make them care about it. Yeah. Um even more so than with the first uh, with the story engine, the original um story engine. Uh, this has been something where just the free form creative joy of it has been such a pleasure um and mm. uh so one thing that, that i like to do when i'm talking to writers is to just remind them that like writing and publishing are completely separate activities with areas of overlap yeah. um and writing is a valid activity in and of itself for its own reasons yeah, uh, yeah. and that's separate from you ever getting a book deal or ever finding an audience um th those things don't have to be related they can be if you want them to and the pressures of one might actually impede the process or the joys of the other. So it's just, it's yeah. good to know what happens when you start mixing those two things. Mm -hmm. um, and, but with world building, it's interesting because on the one hand, I'm having so much fun creating these fictional worlds that, you know, kind of vanish once I shuffle the deck again, like parts yeah. of them stay as fragments in my head, but for the most part, they vanish when I shuffle the deck again. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of like building sandcastles in an intertidal zone that, you know, is just going to get washed over. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, world building, like you, like the word visitant, it, it almost demands that someone bear witness to it, right? Yeah, when you world yeah, build, yeah. You, you, it almost necessitates someone to come see it for it to exist. And I don't know why I don't feel that same uh, call to bring a visitant in with yeah. um, stories, but I do feel that with worlds. And yeah. the, the way that you invite the visitant um, really, really changes, I think, the pressures for the kind of world you create. Because if you're, if you're an author creating a world to write in, um all you need to really have nailed down is um it's 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 more like building a movie set yeah. you don't need it to you're not actually building a fantasy kingdom you just need to build the square where the scene takes place the alley where the scene takes place yeah. and you only we, need we, to build like a facade yeah. you need to build a facade they need to know there's a saloon there they don't need to know there's something behind there doesn't yeah. need to be anything behind it yeah and and you as a creator need to understand how to consistently lay out the perspective so that it feels like there's a city behind the saloon. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. you're not you're not responsible for constructing every single alley. Whereas for 
the pressures for someone who wants to build a world for a party to enter through an RPG are different because you kind of have to create the space that they're going to scenes going to move into. You, as you can't attenuate there. them in the same way you can in a, in a, in a book yeah. or a movie. You can't force them to say, Hey, look at this thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You can't force the camera perspective because they're carrying around their handheld character perspective. And then there's another <laughs> level of that where you create a setting for storytellers to enter as ttrpg storytellers yeah where you're creating like a setting book for as a, you know for dms to use and yeah. that's a whole nother level of yeah, yeah what how much detail do i need to give you how much detail is too much because that'll actually inhibit your ability to create your own stories and, th- and that stuff varies that stuff really varies yeah. modules modules have a there's, there's a lot of variance in the quality and quantity that that gets put in there because a, a setting is not a story but i think a good setting is like can be full of stories yeah, or maybe maybe it's more like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna mix yeah. three metaphors here. Yeah, so um yeah, so so setting versus story versus what I'm gonna call like recipes or or ingredients. Um okay. I think a story is a bit more of a recipe. Like um this is how this is the sequence in which you're gonna combine the ingredients to create a consistent end product. And when someone reads a story, it's gonna be kind of like experiencing a meal that you built that you yeah. created through a certain recipe. But I think yeah. with world building, when you're creating a setting that you want someone to be able to use for their own ends and purposes, it's more like here's a really interesting combination of ingredients most of which will talk to each other if you put them together in a dish. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'll leave you some notes on like, hey, if you're going to make a risotto, here are the things you need. And it goes yeah. roughly in this order. But I'm not going to give you the measurements. I'm not going to give you the, um, uh, the exact order to combine the ingredients in. I'm not going to show you a picture of it. I want you to, to understand, here's the rough theory of how I think these things would combine in an interesting way. But you go do what you want. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think, I think world building is less like making a meal and more like making a good kitchen yeah. or a good cupboard, uh, well-stocked cupboard. And, uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where storytelling is like, no, no, no. I know exactly what ingredients I want and I, I know how I want to combine them and I know what the person's experience of consuming this is going to be like. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think I follow you on that one. That's, that's a fascinating thing. It's almost giving you, giving yourself the equipment to hand to create a good yeah. story. Yeah. Um, no, that is, that is great, and, and and you know it's um we're we're, we're starting to approach starting to approach time and time here. Um, oh my gosh! It's I, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> I am I'm, I'm super into this. I'm, I I just have this clock in front of me, thinking of the seconds by. But uh, I think I can safely say everyone listening to this would want to have you back. <laughs> so if you ever want to swing back, I would love to. Uh, I'd love to just chat with you about all of this stuff man like it's there's there's a ton of things you touched on in here that i would like to just tear apart to be honest before before we kind of close things off formally um i'd love to know if 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 you are generating the gateway drug to world building or is, is there any other things out there that you think you think people should be maybe given a second look to maybe one of those things that requires a bit more a bit more kind of like in-depth a bit more focus yeah, so like there definitely the story engine is not the only story generating tool yeah. out there, and the deck of worlds is not the first um, uh, sort of deck of, of creative prompts for for world building, um, and definitely not the first like world building creative tool. Yeah, um, uh, I have been meaning to try the quiet year forever, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and I think at some point, even if it's just something I do on my own, I want to try it out because uh, it's a really cool tool for. Is it, a really cool tool for collaborative world building. Yeah. Um, which I think has a really great place for setting up um, uh, tabletop RPG campaigns for success because the more investment the players have in the world and the more they understand its rules uh, and feel at home in it, I think the, the richer that story is going to be. I think you're right. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I think it recently, which was it the Adventure Zone that recently used it to set up a season? 
I don't know. I, I, I know there were some guys on Fear the Boot that were talking about using it to create a, uh, a zombie campaign. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they got around to it. I think it's yeah, I think it is specifically post-apocalyptic um, yeah. or designed to be post-apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so that's that's a neat tool. Um, but um, actually, there's a, a guest blog coming up on the Story Engine Deck oh, uh, sort rad. of blog series by um, Aaron Voigt, who is going to be looking at um, uh, rounding up some of the cool collaborative world-building tools um, oh, to wow. share with people. Um, yeah, so uh, at some point, if you go to storyenginedeck.com and then click blog, uh, that will be up. I think probably in about, I'm going to guess about two weeks we'll have that one up. That, that should be um, around about the time this episode comes out then. So awesome. Yeah. Uh, if, if well, somewhere, is, sometime mid June. If not, I'll just link the blog generally. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, so, so yeah, this is a roundup of, of really cool world building resources That's of so various useful. types. Yeah. Yeah. That I think would be, uh, would, would be great to check out. There's tons of that fun stuff. It, it's, it's neat. It's neat to see how these all kind of fit together. And it's, it's always cool for a world builder to add some extra tools to their toolbox. You never know when you're going to when you're going to want to dive deep into something or just or because, I mean, I, I think TTRPGs in some small way are, are, are always a little bit of a collaborative world building tool. Yeah. And um, you wind up kind of going places you don't expect. Anybody who's had players interact with their worlds knows it always goes a place you don't expect. Yeah. And that is that is fascinating. And, and you know, um. I just want to encourage everybody, like if you're hearing this out, go check out, uh, go check out Peter's Kickstarter. Uh, we'll put a link up in the show notes for you. It is the deck of worlds and um, it's, it's doing well that, you know, jump on board and, uh, and give it a shot. So any, any, any final words of wisdom for us before we sign out here, Peter? Um, I think just never, uh, the thing that I like to remind people is just keep track of what brings you joy in the creative process. And if in world building, there's like particular, um, moments or, or parts of that process that you get really excited about, even if it's just like, I really like designing fake currencies. Um, yeah, notice that and, and make it something that, that you sort of dive headfirst into. Uh, cause again, the smallest detail can unfurl an entire world and the details that you're most passionate about are the ones that are going to give you. Um, I think the, the richest pay dirt for, um, for what you put together. There we so, go. Yeah, pay attention to Joy. The Marie Kondo School of World Building. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah, I love exactly. it. Does this spark joy? Yeah. All right. That's excellent. Well, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Worldcraft Club podcast. Be sure to come and find us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our Discord server linked below. If you love what you hear, please give us a five-star rating on the podcatcher of your choice. And finally, we want to say a thank you to our amazing patrons who support us on Patreon. If you want to chip in and help us produce more content, please head down and find us at patreon.com forward slash worldcraftclub to get extra episodes and content for as little as $2 a month. Again, this has been the Worldcraft Club, and we're so glad you gave us a listen. Until next time.